and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting, brought to you by Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here today. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And welcome back. I know you guys have been getting an episode every week, but I think it's okay for us to admit that we'd recorded a couple in advance because I was gone on a secret project. So I'm excited to be back. You're spilling the beans, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) You know what just occurred to me? What's that? When you just said that we were recording from downtown Lebanon. Yeah. Maybe someday, maybe we'll be able to record somewhere else. Oh, yeah. I mean, not like we're moving or anything, but like we'll get to go somewhere fun and record from there. Podcast on location sounds amazing. Yeah. And like there will probably be a whole lot of background noise. So sorry, Travis, but like we'll have fun (laughs) and we'll take y'all on an adventure with us someday. So I was away for about three weeks. What have you been working on? Like what's your knitting life been like, Jessica? It's mostly been penguono, like. Oh, yeah, because our penguono knit-along just ended. Yeah, kind of ended. Like um, the, yeah, right. The prize phase of the knit-along ended. And if you want to see who won the gift card, go to our Instagram at makegoodpod because we posted a picture when we announced it on Monday. That was Monday. On the 1st. Yes. So you can check out our winner's penguono that they happen to be wearing in the picture. And if you want to see penguono progress, because many of us, myself included, are still working on this amazing sweater, all you have to do is check out hashtag makegoodpenguono, and it will pull up all of the pictures that everyone has been tagging as they've been sharing. And they're all really different, and they're all super amazing. One of the knitters finished the penguino and modeled it and also had their child model it and their partner model it and it's super adorable on everyone in their whole house. That was such an adorable amazing post. Mhm. And we really appreciate too. I know some of the people who have been participating in the penguino knit along have been doing it and using Instagram in order to do it in a way that is different from the way they've ever used Instagram before. Things like following hashtags and using hashtags and we really appreciate how everybody has sort of been willing to go on this journey and like figure out how to make this work because you know knitters like to make things work yeah a little bit of a learning curve for some people and that's fine you just lean into it and do it much like knitting (laughs) well now that you're back what's your knitting life like i have just been knitting socks and okay Uh I talked about this a little bit before, and first, I feel like I should say, I can't reveal what my secret project was yet, but that will be coming. There's a reason I have to kind of sit on this, but I've just been knitting the same pair of socks over and over, and Mm -hmm. I had set myself up to potentially knit up to four pairs, and I have knit two and a half, kind of, Mm -hmm. two and a fifth pairs. (laughs) I knit, so it's the, the Andrea Mowry, the Drea Renee Knits Everyday Socks. Which are fantastic. There's a, it's a Turkish cast on the toe and then a flegal heel. And at this point, I almost have my formula memorized, except for the short row part, which I still have to look at every time. And I had picked up some self-striping yarn from Woolens and Nosh to knit my first pair, who we just brought into the shop. She it's does. amazing. Yeah. It's really so fantastic. Uh, she's a local dyer. She dyes on Targi. They're really warm, amazing, like squishy, wonderful socks. That was my first pair. And then my second pair I knit also with self-striping 
from Canon Hand Dyes, who's out on the West Coast, and we don't carry her yarn in the shop. We had talked to her about doing it at one point and then didn't for some reason. I think people's schedules were just hectic. Yeah, we would love to restart that conversation with her, so um, keep an eye out. And then we had a surprise skein of fingering weight sock yarn from Magpie, which is what I started my third pair with that sort of tagged along on a on a Christmas gift that Jessica got me this year that I'm knitting with right now and I'm really enjoying it. It's the swanky sock base, which has cashmere in it and is like a beautiful kind of gold color. Yes. Super pretty. Wicked nice. So pretty. And really nice to knit with and yeah. Yay fancy socks. So we are actually going to break our usual format here a little bit and jump right into, Jessica, are you ready? Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) She's not ready because we're too early for a letter. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh Uh-huh. our letter from Karen. Okay, our letter is from Jessica. Not me. (laughs) No, other Jessica. And it's about something we said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Jessica wrote us kind of a long email, but I pulled out this specific part that I want to talk about. I'm sure you already anticipated that I discovered that Rambouillet and Cashmere were not as similar in texture as I had imagined. I'm not disappointed in my purchase. It was just different than I had expected. Yarn shopping is always such a sensory experience for me. The pretty colors, the textures, the warm and inviting shop. In a world of pandemic-forced online yarn shopping, do you have suggestions about choosing yarn you love when you can't touch or see it in person? So, Jessica, the reason I pulled this section of this email and that I wanted to talk about it, we were talking about Rambouillet and how soft it is a few weeks ago, and what, not you, Jessica, has emailed us is that she bought Rambouillet after that and it doesn't feel soft like cashmere is soft. And I thought we would spend some time today maybe talking about qualities of different kinds of yarn and maybe some different breeds and how you can make that decision because she's absolutely right. We're all just shopping online, right? If you can't touch it, what do you do? Oh, perfect. This is good. And you know what? It's super timely. Yeah. Because Karen, who is like our (laughs) web wizard, every time like a sentence is restructured, it's because Karen's in there digging around (laughs) to try and make things more clear. Karen just went through and added some descriptive language. We have a new way to search on the website so you can search by fiber type. Like it's its own little drop down menu, so it's easy to navigate to. But if you click on merino or if you click on cotton at the top of that page there's some information to tell you more about what that fiber is like so we we are we are ready to talk about this i think so now on our site mm-hmm. there's that information at the top of the pages about the fiber types and we are just going to kind of take you on a quick walking tour of different fiber content This is not comprehensive, but it's maybe a jumping off point for you. So if you hear about a fiber, like maybe you're not familiar with Cormo, 
We're going to tell you a little bit about it and you can go off and explore the World Wide Web and find out more or pick up a skein and work with it and see if it's like the missing fiber that you didn't know you needed. Right. So very specifically to emailer Jessica's questions about the difference between cashmere and rambouillet, when we were talking about rambouillet before, we were talking about softness that's more like the bounce of the fiber, as opposed to the sort of like silky feeling that cashmere would have. Yeah, this is so it's kind of difficult to talk about because this is a very tactile thing. Mm -hmm. And we all experience sensation kind of differently. And I think like when I think about what I like about Rambouillet versus what I like about cashmere, like cashmere is very soft in a way that makes me think if I need to compare it to like another fiber experience, like almost kind of velvety. It's Mm -hmm. that like very like soft, touchable, like you can just find yourself petting it kind of texture. Whereas my favorite cardigan that I knit last year out of the Rambouillet is like wearing soft cotton against your skin. Like it's very soft and touchable and comfortable against my skin, but is not that kind of like, I want to sit there and pet it luxury feel that cashmere has. And that's because the fibers, physically, the fibers themselves are very different. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to get into this too much, but the fiber qualities that make the difference are things like length of the length of the fiber. Like if you were a spinner, you would call it length of the staple, I think. But it's like physically, how long is the sheep's hair Mm -hmm. or goat or rabbit or whatever? How long is their hair? How thick is it inherently? So there's some, and we'll talk about this, but there's some that is just thicker than others. We've talked about microns, which are like the little barbs that allow it to felt. So (laughs) if you've ever watched, like, I feel like I'm dating myself with this comment. If you've ever watched live television that has commercials. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and you know the commercials they used to run for like Pantene Pro-V? That's And right. they would show you the shaft of hair before conditioner and then the shaft of hair after conditioner. Those little like... Your hair follicles. The, the hair follicles, the like openness of the hair follicles is kind of what they're talking about when they talk about microns. It's the like grabbiness of it. And on some level, micron count is not really that helpful. Like, nobody has this stuff memorized, but if you are... um, Well, and it's not standard across breeds. Right. Like, sheep at one farm of a particular breed are going to produce different fiber, same characteristics, like same umbrella of sheep fiber family, but one farm will have finer merino than another. Like, it's just how things are. Sheep are kind of like dogs. You can't breed them in as few generations as dogs, but it is like that. If you are, you know, I thought you were going to say you just want to hug them. Well, that too. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, if you're buying a golden retriever from a breeder and at this breeder, they have, don't, don't do that. But at this breeder, they have some kind of very large golden retriever that is the mother of all these puppies, they're going to be bigger than if you have this other one where you're like starting with a very petite golden retriever, right? Like, okay. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Let's talk about sheep. Yeah. Let's talk about sheep. Well, let's talk about sheep hair. Wool. Right. Wool. 
So if you have never knit with animal fiber before, merino is probably the first one you're going to come across. And I know merino had kind of like a media moment a couple years ago when all birds were really big. There was a lot of sort of media education around how amazing merino is as a fiber. It's environmentally friendly. It doesn't hold odor. You can do all kinds of crazy things to it. It, in terms of knitting and the yarn that merino makes, it's very soft, especially when it's been superwashed. It has really good elasticity, which is just how much, how elastic it is. That's, I, I think, self-explanatory elasticity. Yeah, that's a clear word. And it, it's fairly matte. And it has a pretty soft stitch definition. So if you're using it for a project that has cables or something, it's not going to have your most pronounced or like high relief expression of those cables. A lot of times when we're talking about different breeds of sheep and different types of yarn, there's some kind of trade-off. So in exchange for very soft and very elastic, merino can be more prone to pilling than some other kinds of yarn. If you have a sweater made with merino and then a sweater made with some of the other breeds we're going to talk about, and you wear those somehow simultaneously for 10 years every day. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. If I have a sweater made with merino and Jessica has a sweater made with BFL and we both only ever wear that sweater, my merino sweater is probably going to fall apart before her BFL sweater. Mm -hmm. Probably. Show wear. We don't want to say it's going to fall apart. Right. Like. Yeah. yeah, you're going to make it hold need the to elbow mended or... first. Right. Mm-hmm. But Merino's lovely. Merino's fantastic. It is soft enough that almost everyone can wear it next to their skin. From what I understand, Merino is the only wool that is specifically non-allergenic. It just is. Like some doodle breed apparently is a non-allergenic dog. Merino is that for sheep. Yeah, we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we get to alpaca. There are a couple types of wool allergy. There's the more common kind. Well, it's not a true allergy. It's just your skin feels sensitive to the texture of the fiber. Right. It's not like you're breaking out in hives, like you're having a histamine reaction to this fiber. It's just, eh, that's not my favorite feeling on my skin. It feels scratchy. Right. And if you or the person you're knitting for is that person, Merino's probably okay. If you or the person you're knitting for has a histamine reaction allergy, what you or they are allergic to is the lanolin in the fiber, in which case merino will not work for you. But there are other things that will, and we'll talk about that. How about Corridale? I love Corridale. So I am not a spinner, but my understanding from doing a little reading about Corridale is that the The fleece is heavier than some other breeds, so it can be difficult to spin into really lightweight wool or lightweight yarns. And I'm assuming that this is maybe for hand spinning. I don't know if it's true of like mill spinning as well. So this is an example of like just their hair is thicker Mm -hmm. than other. So you'll see Corridale, DK weight and heavier. There's not a whole lot of it that is lighter weight than DK out there. But Cordale is a really bouncy fiber. It's less fine than something like Merino. So it's definitely going to feel more what you think of like as that woolly feeling against your skin. So you are probably going to want to use it for something like a sweater that you would wear a shirt under instead of 
like a sweater that you wear as a shirt and it's directly against your entire torso. Probably good for outerwear too, like accessories like a hat, some big warm mittens, that kind of thing. But it can be a softer experience if you get into blends. So if it is blended with another fiber, it can make it more touchable and comfortable to wear. Corydale has great stitch definition, so if you're making some fancy, amazing cabled project or just lots of texture, this might be a great option for you. It's also really durable. Oh, yeah. So, like, if you need that wood chopping sweater that you're going to wear every winter when you're out, you know, in the woods, Corydale's a good option. And Corydale's are, they're relatively small sheep, so... um, More huggable. They're very huggable. High huggability. (laughs) That's important. Back to the dog thing, though. There's another breed of sheep called Cormo, and those are a crossbreed of Merino and Corydale, and I'm just obsessed with this. In the same way that a golden retriever and a poodle makes a golden doodle, a Corydale and a Merino makes a Cormo, and I think that's adorable. So cute. So the effect of that crossbreeding is that the yarn is similar to Merino in softness, but it's springier. It's like more crimped kind of than Merino. And it's going to feel a little more lush and it's going to feel a little less soft before it's worked. The Cormo we have in the store, we have a couple different ones, but the nightshades and the daylights are both Cormo. And if you Mm -hmm. put the nightshades and the daylights next to Sweet Georgia Superwash Worsted, and you touched one with one hand and you touched one with the other hand, you would definitely feel like the Sweet Georgia was softer. But that's, you know, in the skein. But like once it's worked up, it kind of softens up some. That, that oh, end yeah. product is very different. And it has, so the, the sheen of the yarn is, a, it's a little bit, shiny isn't really the word, but it like, it reflects a little bit more. It's less matte sure. than Merino. And it is stronger and it will just last forever and ever. So Cormo is really neat. I like Cormo a lot. It's lovely. All right, next sheep is blue-faced Leicester, which you might sometimes see written as BFL. And if you see it written out as blue-faced Leicester, you might look at it and say, blue-faced Leicester? Leicester? (laughs) Like, it's one of those words where you're like, I can read it, but I'm not sure how I'm actually supposed to pronounce it. There you go. Blue-faced Leicester. And can I tell you, please go Google these sheep because I think they have such beautiful faces. <laughs> I, they do. I are just, they blue? They're not. Are they blue, blue like how pibbles are blue? Blue pibbles? Yeah. I think that they're, maybe, I think that there's variation in like their wool color, but they just have these like beautiful distinguished faces. Like they are... They are smart looking sheep. <laughs> so we don't carry a lot of BFL in the shop, but the BFL that we have is great. These sheep have a thinner fiber and it's kind of a soft and silky yarn that is produced from it. It's got some more texture. Sometimes in the shop when we're talking to you about fiber, we say that it's toothy. It's a little bit grabby, which means it's good for things like color work. hmm because those strands of yarn just like want to hug up next to each other. It's not slippery and it's really strong, but it's soft. Like it's nice to wear against your skin. We have some BFL sock yarn that's like, it's cozy on your feet and it's just great durable yarn that's got really good drape. 
Yeah. So Targi. Targi has been increasing in popularity recently. It's really resilient. It's very elastic. It's also fun to say. It is. It's Targi. true. <laughs> it is soft. It's another one that, like, in the skein, it's going to feel hardier than Merino is. And we keep talking about superwash Merino. There's just a ton of it. Yeah. Not everything is. Like, we have we have some Merino in the shop that's not superwash. Like, the Peary from Brooklyn Tweed right. is domestic Merino that has not been treated. And it's very soft. And it's lovely. You just keep coming back to Merino. But you'll find that, like, shiny Merino, because there is some shine. We keep talking about Merino is matte. But superwashed Merino has a tendency to have more shine. There's a lot of like indie dyed sock bases that are high twist four ply that have like spring and a lot of sheen to it. It's shiny like your hair after you use Pantene Pro-V. Ah, (laughs) full circle. This podcast not brought to you by any brand of conditioner whatsoever. So sorry, back to Targi. It is. It's resilient. It's elastic. It's soft like Merino. It's really, really durable. So the socks from Woolens and Nosh that I just knit, I can wear those. They're only a couple weeks old at this point, but like I can probably wear those for a really long time before my heel's going to wear through them in my shoe. Mm -hmm. Even when they're not blended with a synthetic fiber like nylon, Targi's going to be really long lasting. And most Targi comes from farms in the US, which I'm sort of increasingly interested in. I want more sheep in huggable distance. Yeah. So I want to support local farmers, local farmers, and also big local farmers, as in not necessarily in our backyard, but in Montana or wherever, like I want more sheep I can get to. At that point, are they like when they're bigger, are they called ranchers? Oh, sure. Let's say yes. Right. <laughs> I think they're ranchers. It doesn't matter. We're playing I games here. I am now really obsessed with the idea very briefly for the last 20 seconds i've become really obsessed with the idea <laughs> of moving west and being a cowboy but for sheep how much fun would that be i guess that's a shepherd that exists <laughs> i didn't just invent that <laughs> i mean so maybe if you are on like pastoral new england hillsides are soft rolling mountains with sheep you'd be a shepherd but like if you were in uh, cowboy garb, you'd be a rancher riding a horse in Montana and commanding an army of little cattle dogs, Ooh. except except sheep herding dogs. So you can just let them herd the sheep, let them herd the sheep and Fun. hang out with dogs and sheep. Yes. Why do we do anything that isn't that? I don't really know how to ride a horse. <laughs> I like them, though. I could learn. I feel like, Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like it's not that hard, but people fall off all the time. It probably is. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Which sheep are we on? Let's talk about Columbia, which are also American, largely American sheep in the U.S. Yay, domestic sheep breeds. We're domesticated. I don't know where they originated, but they're here at mostly, and we love them. Columbia sheep are the first breed to have originated in the United States. Cool. That's neat. Very interesting. So Columbia wool, um, (laughs) anyway, it's a hardy wool. Yeah. It's very durable. It has great stitch definition and lovely loft. Which means it's going to be bouncy. Like it's, that's the bouncy kind of softness as opposed to the silky kind of softness. Mm -hmm. It's great for color work. 
And because it's such a durable fiber, it's going to stand up to like heavy wear. So it will pill less frequently than some of the softer, finer fibers that are more easily agitated. Do you want to talk about my favorite? Rambouillet! Yay! So Rambouillet sheep come from Merino sheep. Like how Boston Terriers come from pit bulls. They are (laughs) the Boston Terriers. This is just all about dogs. It's an equivalent kind of softness to Merino, but it's more cottony feeling. It's going to be bouncier and it's even more matte. It's super matte. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll see Rambouillet. This is true with a lot of these uh, kind of more specialized fibers. You'll see them in a blend. And some of that is just that Merino fiber is plentiful. Mm-hmm. And then some of that is that like Rambouillet, when you blend it, it will add elasticity, but it won't take away softness from the yarn. So it sort of makes the blend more durable, but doesn't make it feel hard on your skin. What about non-sheep animal fibers? Oh my God, there's so many good animals that are not sheep. (laughs) There are many good animals. But maybe as a knitter, one of the first non-sheep animals that you think of for fiber is alpaca, also known as lilpaca by my (laughs) children when they were young. But alpacas, besides having the most insanely cute faces... If you don't know what alpacas look like, please go look them up and spend the next five minutes squealing over how adorable they are. Sometime between when we're recording this and when this podcast actually goes live, I am going to post a blog post that just has pictures of all of these different kinds, like all of the sheep breeds and also all of the other animals, because I want to look at them. So we'll link that in the show notes. And to help you look at them. Sure. Okay. So alpaca... (laughs) besides being insanely cute, produces a fiber that is so soft. Mm -hmm. Like it's beautifully soft. A lot of knitters like to use alpaca to line wool things. So if you're knitting mittens or a hat that has a lining layer, frequently the outside will be wool and the lining will be knit with alpaca because it's just so touchable up against your skin. It's incredibly warm. So we find that maybe it's better suited to northern climates where you need the extra insulation. Like if you're a knitter in Florida, you might not knit with alpaca as often because it's just going to be too hot. And the interesting reason that alpaca is so much warmer than wool is that alpaca fiber has these tiny hollow cores and they effectively are like air pockets. And they're great insulators, so it keeps you nice and cozy. It is breathable in the summer, but like I said, if it's like humid and hot where you live, it's probably not your go-to fiber for your summer knitwear. It's kind of like the hollow cores are kind of like the hollow quill in like down feathers or something Mm -hmm. where your like down coat, you know, all of that little air insulation is going to just help keep the warmth against your body. Yep. Alpaca is a really strong fiber, but it's also really kind of prone to pilling. Like, I can tell you that before we opened the store, a lovely friend of mine, Lori, in Connecticut, who is an alpaca person, she dyed some yarn for me. I knit a beautiful hat with it, and it got thrown into my bag, and it hung out in my bag for like a week. 
and my hat felted in my bag and it was horrifying and I kind of wore it anyways but like nothing crazy regret like no one was intentionally trying to felt this hat it just kind of happened because there was enough friction so I am observing that there is a correlation between the elasticity of the fiber and its pilling. The more elastic something is, the less it is likely to pill. I think because those individual fibers aren't breaking and then kind of balling up on your fabric. Do we think that's fair to say? I think that sounds like it makes sense to me. If one of you listening who is like more of a fiber expert than we are knows otherwise or a more technically accurate answer, send us an email and let us know or point us to a resource because we're always learning. But I think that that makes a lot of sense because I think it's probably pretty unlikely. Like if you are shopping for fiber online Mm -hmm. and you're like, like, we will be honest with you in the store, Mm -hmm. but stores are trying to sell you what they sell. And so nobody's going to be like, oh, this pill's like crazy. Don't buy this for your sweater. So look for a comment maybe about elasticity or some information about that to help you make your decision. Because where you don't want pilling is where, for example, your upper arm is going to be rubbing constantly against the side of your body. Or like if you carry a bag and like your messenger bag like always rubs on your hip and you're going to have a big like pilly spot there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And then we talked about, so with alpaca, it's going to be not your most pronounced stitch definition. No, it's definitely softer. The visual of your stitches are like kind of soft and ethereal looking, I think. (laughs) And the fiber's got a little bit of like natural halo to it. Alpaca has sheen. It's, I mean, it's really quite lovely, but it's not something I would recommend for like, it's not your wood chopping sweater. No, You know, it's definitely like we're starting to dabble into more luxury fiber, less utilitarian stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's got really great drapes. So if you're looking for like kind of dramatic, a little bit fancier, flowy looking knitwear, alpaca might be a really good choice. We talked about if somebody has an allergy to sheep wool, mm-hmm. it's their allergy is probably to the lanolin in the fiber. And alpaca does not have lanolin. So if you're knitting for somebody or if it's you who breaks out in hives, if wool touches their skin, it's worth at least finding out if they have that same reaction to alpaca. Yeah. Because that may open up, you know, don't knit a whole sweater without testing it first. But like that may open up some possibilities, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. What about mohair? Okay. Mohair comes from Angora goats. It's really silky. It gives a very strong halo. And recently I've been seeing patterns where it's used on its own. But I think until fairly recently, it was often just held double. And that still happens all the time. You hold it double with another yarn. It gives that halo. It gives a little bit of structure. I've been seeing like mohair inserts in sweaters like there will be like like a sheer panel yeah a sheer panel i think jesse may has the sheer v pullover is maybe what it's called we'll put a link to it in the show notes but it's like a really great little like peekaboo v neckline where it's just the mohair yeah and even though it kind of has 
like just to look at it, you might think it's similar to alpaca in that it has that halo and all that kind of stuff. People with sensitive skin might not be able to wear it right against their skin. I wouldn't necessarily recommend if it's not for you and you don't know you can tolerate it. Don't knit someone a mohair cowl unless you know that it's going to work for them. Like we've had people tell us like I bought this mohair and it just makes me itchy. And so that's just something you need to know about yourself and your skin if you want to use it. Right. Speaking of goats, what about cashmere? Cashmere is so nice. Everyone knows that. So cashmere fiber comes from the undercoat of cashmere goats. So that's the really soft fiber an animal produces that's like close to their skin versus the fiber that's like exterior, you know, in contact with the air and the environment, which is less soft. So it's super warm. It's incredibly touchable. Like it's really just cashmere is lovely. It's got good elasticity. You might get some pilling with your cashmere garments. It will be not the most pilly, but also not the most durable. I would Mm -hmm. say it's kind of somewhere in between. And that'll also be dependent on like what garments you're making and how much contact that has. And that's kind of universal with your knitwear. Like your cowl shouldn't be really pilly unless you've got a lot of rubbing happening around (laughs) your neck. I don't know. But yeah, cashmere is really nice. We're definitely like firmly in luxury fiber territory now. Oh, for sure. And cashmere is also extremely warm. So we Mm -hmm. talked about why alpaca is warm and it's because of the little hollow cores. Cashmere is warm for the opposite reason, because when you are working with it, it's so fine that there is no air that gets, there's no hollow core and there's not really space for air in between the fibers. So when you wear it on your skin, like it's trapping all the heat there for you. So it's really like the fibers are smooth and fine enough that they create like a dense insulation. Yes. It's not drafty. Right. (laughs) Right. And then Angora, which is the undercoat of a rabbit. So, okay, here's something. Because when we get into luxury fiber, Mm -hmm. we are talking about undercoats a lot. Yes. And that's because that is fiber that comes from against the animal's skin. To keep them warm. To keep them warm. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like overcoat is more to like keep water and dirt and stuff away Mm -hmm. from them. Angora comes from the undercoat of the Angora rabbit. If you would like to harvest some Angora, you just pet a rabbit for a really long time and you will gently collect the fiber. That's right. It's really soft. It's very, very thin. And so the fiber, I'm sorry, the fabric that it creates is very drapey and silky. It has a little bit of a soft halo and it doesn't have itself much elasticity. So if you blend it with wool, the wool will give it elasticity and will keep it from excessively felting Mm -hmm. or pilling, but still maintaining that sort of soft, silky, drapey Mm -hmm. feeling to it. I think the Angora we sell in the store is actually Kashgora. It's cashmere and Angora spun together. Right. Angora also, like on its own, or when there's high proportions of it in fiber, if it's a blend, has a lot of halo. Yes. Like it is... Fuzzy bunny, fuzzy bunny yarn that if you are sensitive to fuzzy things in your face, like I love Angora. I think it's very nice. It's beautiful to touch and I can't wear it because it's like 
tickly feeling on me. It's not itchy. It's the opposite of that. Like it's this weird, like it's my own sensory issue where it's just like, Ooh, I just have little hairs. Or like, like when we put it on the ball winder and then there's just Angora oh, in the air for like a week. Flying in my face, <laughs> like in my eyes. Yeah. But it's so nice. It's, oh, it's so like super gorgeous. But every like people have different tolerances to that type of thing. And I feel like mohair has a lot of halo fuzz, but it's not airborne in my experience in the same way that like I experience the Angora halo that is just like coming at me. Right. Yeah. And then our friend Kiviet. It's amazing. And like new fiber to us, like prior to us bringing the Kiviet to the shop from the lovely people in Nunavut, I had never personally touched it before. It is amazing <laughs> and very soft. Like it's the lightest, softest yarn available. It comes from the undercoat of Arctic mammals. Usually when people think of Kiviut, they think of musk ox specifically. But there's also Arctic hare and Arctic foxes. And that a little bit depends on where you're sourcing your Kiviut from. Mm -hmm. Because different communities have different standards for that. So some, you know, some communities in the Arctic would only call musk ox undercoat. Kiviet, and some would say, yeah, it's also the Arctic hare and it's also the Arctic fox. So that's that's very individualized. But usually what people picture and what the majority of it is, just in terms of volume of hair, is the muskox, which are enormous and adorable when they're babies, especially. Mm-hmm. And and are wild, like they're free-ranging animals. It's oh, not totally like nobody's ranching. <laughs> There's no horses and cattle dogs with the muskox. Right. They're <laughs> In the Arctic, and they are, you know, fiber from these animals is like getting caught on twigs and brush, and people are harvesting it. They're not like, I'm going to go out to the barn and brush Millie the muskox today. <laughs> like, that's not how that process works. Yeah, it's very much in the spring. They, um, they like, the muskox will just like rub up against rocks or whatever to sort of work their own undercoat out because you know it's still cold in the arctic but it's not winter cold in the arctic and then yeah people who harvest muskox fiber literally just walk around with a basket and pick it up off the rock Mm -hmm. which is why it's so expensive (laughs) yeah but it's it's a non-elastic fiber really like it's very low elasticity very lightweight you generally see in lace weight not much heavier than that ever like you're never going to find super bulky oh, you would melt <laughs> it's so warm like you couldn't what would you make with bulky kiviet you would just nothing you would you would overheat so a little fun fact for all of you listening <laughs> when we contacted the people in none of it and we said please please can we buy your yarn they said, well, how far north do you think you are? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Because really, it's so warm. They're like, you think New Hampshire is cold enough right, for this fiber? And we said, yes, it is cold here. And so far, people have been excited about it. So other people think it's this cold here, too. But they kind of were like, sure. Right. 
I guess we'll send this to you with like very skeptical raised eyebrow <laughs> about whether or not we know enough about winter to warrant having this yarn because it is so warm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't felt it at all. It has no barbs. So it's very, it's just smooth. Yeah. It's very smooth on your skin. Like alpacas, there's no lanolin. Somebody who's allergic to lanolin might not have a problem with kiviat. Your wallet might have a problem with it, but otherwise, <laughs> like, your skin is going to love it. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Okay, the other kind of natural animal fiber, which is not wool in any form, is silk. It's our non-mammal animal fiber. There we go. Yep. It comes from the cocoons of caterpillars or worms and some kind of crickets. And what happens is you sort of take these cocoons and you boil them and then you can like string out the silk protein and it kind of comes out in one big string. It's very cool. A lot of silk yarn that you find in a yarn shop is going to be blended with wool in some capacity because silk has zero elasticity, right? So the wool gives it some elasticity. It has very soft stitch definition. It has amazing drape and it has pretty high sheen so you're going to end up with an almost shiny fabric we have yarn in the shop that's silk blend the alpaca silk from blue sky fibers and also metallico Mm -hmm. and it is gorgeous yarn Uh, particularly the metallico it's it's like iridescent looking super super pretty so if you haven't worked with that before it's worth checking out yeah It is. It's really nice to work with. And then the other kind of natural fiber that's available in a yarn shop is cotton. Mm -hmm. And in our store, we only have certified organic cotton because we have big feelings about pesticides. Conventionally grown cotton uses a ton of pesticides and that makes its way into the groundwater because it gets, you know, through the insects, to the animals, to the groundwater, or just straight through with the rain. Cotton is the most pesticide-intensive crop that exists on this planet. Something like 50% of the fiber that the world uses is cotton. So it's really important to us that we use organic cotton. Cotton can be really nice. Cotton can be really nice. I think a lot of, for knitter purposes, a lot of knitters' experience with cotton is dishcloth cotton. Yes. Which is not the softest thing can be hard on your hands because it has no elasticity. But that has its applications. Like if you're making dishcloths, it's great and durable and easy to clean. If you are making like webbed bags for like the farmer's market or shopping for produce, like that's a great option. Like cotton, the fiber is a great option. We're just particular about what cotton we choose to carry in the shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there are other other plant-based fibers that are kind of common, but I think maybe we'll explore those another day. Like, Yeah. The one thing about cotton is that it has almost zero elasticity. So you could make a hat out of cotton. It's, you know how like normally when you make a hat, mm-hmm. it kind of stretches onto your head. Your cotton hat isn't going to do that. Oh no, not really. No. So that's something. And like we do carry some in the store that's a blend of wool and cotton that sort of solves that problem. But that's just something to keep in mind. You're not going to be able to stretch this garment. You know what I think a lot of 
at least people who come to scratch use the organic cotton for baby blankets. Oh, totally. Because you can wash it and dry it and do all kinds of wild stuff to it. Yeah. I think that that's the, at least the most communicated to us intended purpose for that yarn. Yeah. They're knitting for babies. So I think we are at various points, not all in a row or anything, going to do an episode on each of these types of fiber and probably a couple of other types of fiber because I want to, A, I want to look at more pictures of sheep and B, there is so much information out there. And so this kind of just started as an answer to Jessica's question, but also as a little bit of a guide for folks as they are during COVID-19 having to do their shopping online without being able to just touch it with their hands, Mm -hmm. what it is they're looking for to be able to have the effect that they want out of their project. There's so much to learn, like constantly. There are so many animals to hug. And we're going to do it someday. (laughs) Try to stop us, alpacas. What do you remember? The alpaca palooza? The alpaca palooza. It was the market you did. Jessica used to have a bakery where she would sell cupcakes and pies and stuff at farmer's markets. And one of the first ones I ever went to hang out with her at was called an alpaca palooza. And it was hosted at this alpaca farm. And my favorite moment of the alpaca palooza was that one of the alpacas got loose and just ran wildly around the center of all the market tents looking a little upset while people just chased it. It was amazing. Yes. Because <laughs> it needed to go back in its, in its area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's not the alpaca story I was going to oh. tell. But, do you rem- <laughs> but I, I almost forgot that happened. I can't believe the name alpaca palooza doesn't get used more often. I mean, it's kind of great. <laughs> Maybe we should start our own local one when we can be out in public again. It might be fun. Alpacas in Colburn Park. Sweet. Trying to stop a city. That's right. (laughs) You're going to have to catch them. (laughs) They would 100% identify who put the alpacas in Colburn Park. Yeah, I think they they would know it was us. It was not the jewelry store. It was not coffee shop. The coffee shop. (laughs) Anyway. What I was going to say was, do you remember the year that we went to TNNA and Blue Sky Fibers had an alpaca? Yes. And I think his name was Jack. I don't remember its name. But I got to hang out with that alpaca. Like, he was in my face. Yes. And I think he was a little surprised that someone was standing, like, face to face with him because he was pretty tall. Yeah. But it was amazing. We definitely have videos of that i'll see if i can figure out some way to post a video because it was super cute yeah i think it's on our instagram we can probably throw a link in the show notes if you want to see yeah me get up close and personal with the (laughs) alpaca i saw a video of an alpaca who was an indoor pet the other day and i can't remember this alpaca's name but he likes to get his hair cut and when he gets his hair cut he watches himself in the mirror like a people getting their hair cut because he knows he looks good. Yeah. Just take a little off the side there. Can we can we get a house alpaca? I'm going to say yes, and then you have to ask all four of the dogs and see what they say. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to say yes, too. I think Pumpkin would bark. Well, she barks at us. What does it matter? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that poor dog. She doesn't know anything. So I think that's it for us this week. Uh, Keep working on your penguinos. Remember, we're doing March of the Penguinos on Saturday the 6th. It's going to be so fun. I'm really excited to see everyone wearing theirs in whatever whatever state they're in at that point. If they're not done yet, 
Just drape it on you. Yeah. Drape it on you. Stop by the window. Take a picture. Whatever works for you, depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. So if you're enjoying listening, make sure that you tell your friends. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Throw up a rating. It will help other knitters find us. And also, if you're not following us on Instagram yet, our Instagram account is at makegoodpod. We release our new episodes every week there, but also we're showing you Penguono progress updates and other fun things. And send us a letter. We want to hear from you. A letter. An email. (laughs) Send us an email. And our email address is dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. Bye. Bye. Bye.